This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Welcome to the Conjecturing Horrors Podcast. With me is Laura. Hello. And Greg. Hey. And I'm your host, Rob. Uh, how's everybody doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good, Rob. Doing good, doing good. Yeah, we have to we have to say right off the bat here, we had a new, uh, I don't know if you call it a drop, but uh, a new little intro that we got the other day now that we got to talk about. Um, and that's the fact that, you know, it's from our podcast network we joined um it's just uh, something that came about out of nowhere um you know we kind of just been podding along here and you know having fun and doing stuff and somebody reached out to us and said that you know we might be a good fit for their network um this is called the slash and cast uh, podcast network they have a lot of shows that are very you know horror themed sci-fi themed stuff like that so we checked it out and we thought like yeah we would be a good fit uh for the network and so we jumped on board so yeah, we're officially part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network, uh, which is pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. How do you feel about being on a network, Greg? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, sometimes when you just do things by yourself, it's it's totally cool and, and fun. But um, we kind of live in a in a world where unless you have any kind of like exposure through social media or just media networks in general, you can wind up on an island sort of uh, separate from everyone else. So it's a cool way to, to get inserted into um, a community and share content and, and collaborate and um, also have fun with uh, people who are doing and producing similar content as us. Super exciting. Well said, Greg. Well said. What, what about you, Laura? How do you feel about being on a network? Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. And even just selfishly, uh, you know, some of these other podcasts that are on there, I haven't had the opportunity quite yet to tune into some of them but they they seem awesome and they seem like right up our alley of what we would just want to listen to you know in in our spare time um and i just think we're such a good fit with some of these and yeah i just can't wait to just kind of join forces with them and see where it takes us you know yeah no i i agree i agree yeah i mean i kind of checked out a couple of the other shows on the network you know i listened to a couple all really really good uh like i said a lot of the similar content but just so many different voices and i think that was the one thing that the the people that reached out to us to join the network said is just like we have a distinct voice and which i think is so cool and that just kind of goes to the same thing with like horror we keep talking about it's like how it's so subjective and so it's like the same thing with podcasts you can have a podcast about the same exact subject matter but just different people different perspectives different lives that they've lived and it makes it such a big difference, you know? Um, so that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, I did want to like not shout out a couple of them, but you know, I said, you know, there's horror, there's sci-fi, there's like paranormal, there's video games, there's a wrestling one on there, which I thought is pretty cool. Um, there's also one where I might enjoy this. There's a monster erotica uh, uh, podcast oh. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the network. It's, and that one I actually literally put in the notes because I wanted to shout it out. So it's called Eroticosaurus. And oh, so uh, my- that Oh my God. Yeah. So I was like, that's so, yeah, like, there's just so many different things on this network that are really yeah. cool. Yeah. So if anybody wants to like check it out, you can check it out at, you know, slash ncast.net. 
Um, that's pretty much when they list all the podcasts that are there. Uh, then, of course, from there, you can go to the links and download, you know, whatever you're listening on. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool for us, for everybody involved. And, you know, hopefully the listeners, you know, enjoy that we're on a network now, a lot more exposure. So um, if anybody's listening that hasn't listened to us before, um, just a quick little like overview. You know, we pretty much do movie reviews. Uh, we're three friends that started this, you know, based on arguing with with each other a lot about, you know, opinions. <laughs> and I kind of spawned into like, let's just record this and let's have fun, you know, breaking down movies um, and kind of just seeing, you know, how we all feel about it, you know, and, and me being the, I guess, quote unquote, non-horror person, somebody that really didn't watch a lot of horror movies growing up, um, kind of the scaredy cat. Um, I think I've grown a little bit over the past like six months. I think I'm not as scared as I used to be. I've definitely faced some fears watching some scary movies that traumatized me as a child. But yeah, so it's been a fun ride and I'm excited to see kind of where we go from here, you know? Yeah. yeah. So let's uh, let's get going here. You know, one of the first things we do is we talk about, you know, what we're drinking. We always drink on usually every episode. Um, so we got a drop here. Let's see what's going on. What's in the cups? All right, so let's see what we're drinking tonight. What's in the cups? Uh, so what are you what are you drinking, Greg? I feel like new users, the users, viewers are gonna have to go to like episode two to understand that drop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm drinking uh, Delirium Tremens. Um, it's one of my favorite Belgian beers. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact: uh, the term actually means a severe mental state of confusion, hallucinations, nightmares, and disorientation. So uh, I thought that was very fitting for this movie. Very true. Very true. Yes. Yes. What about what about you, Laura? What are you, what are you drinking tonight? What's in your cup? First of all, have you guys ever heard of the actual space term Event Horizon? Uh, sure. I don't want to sound dumb. No. Yeah. No, you're like me. I, I didn't <laughs> know that that was an actual space term. Mm-hmm. So. I wanted to tell you guys what the definition of Event Horizon is, and this is explained by the Swinburne University. It is a boundary defining the region of space around a black hole from which nothing, not even light, can escape. And I mean, obviously, if you've seen this movie, you know that a black hole does play a decent part of it. So I couldn't get over that. I wanted to find a cocktail that had something to do with a black hole. And I actually did find a cocktail that exists, and it is called Black Hole Sun. And it's basically an old-fashioned mixed with cold brew. Oh, wow. Now, that's not something I can sip on (laughs) because (laughs) I don't really like whiskey that much. Uh, So I made it into a shot. And wish me luck because Mm. it smells awful. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Good luck, Laura. Okay. Oh, there she mm. goes. She shot it. She got shot into space. Ah. Yeah. Good job, Laura. Good job. <laughs> enjoy Thanks. that. Enjoy, enjoy <laughs> that shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just drinking in honor of somewhat of this movie, you know, and also kind of like similar to what I'm wearing. We'll get to what you guys have on. I actually have like one of my Shining shirt on from, you know, The Shining because there's oh. so many references to The Shining in this movie. It's crazy. So I'm drinking just some Jack Daniels, you know, shout out to, you know, Jack Torrance. Nice. Oh, and I forgot I do have, I'll do my other costume reveal, you know, a little bit uh, after you guys go talk about yours. So Laura, what are you, what are you wearing tonight? I have decided to dress up as Lieutenant Stark. She is the, I think she's like the communications, uh, I don't know, or like executive officer of the ship, of the Lewis and Clark. I liked her character 
because well we'll get into it but she doesn't really get affected much and mm-hmm. um so there, there's a scene where they're kind of trucking along where she's in this blue hat and it's got the logo of their ship the lewis and clark and so i was able to find a sticker of the logo and i just put it on a hat and i've got my little green jacket which looks like they're you know greenish brown jumpsuits whatever color they were so that's me tonight Lieutenant Stark. Perfect. It looks, it looks really good. It looks really good. And Laura, we got our Zoom backgrounds too. Laura's Zoom background is pretty much all the people in the little little pods, the little stasis pods. Mm-hmm. So she looks like she's sitting there just kind of like potting from the event horizon while everybody's in stasis. So that's cool. Um, what about you, Greg? What are you, what are you wearing? I decided to uh, uh, to take the identity of Mr. One-Liner, Mr. Rocket Man, uh, <laughs> Cooper. He's the he's the rescue tech. He's pretty much the guy that's out in space the most, trying to repair the ship. Um, so he's inside the spacesuit um, for most of the movie. So that's me. I, I did my best. I got my white windbreaker, kind of pulled it up, got them <laughs> another cap underneath, and I'm an astronaut. Nice. Okay, that's you are an astronaut. Okay, yeah. I, I was wondering what you were. Uh, you know, but it's not okay. like I carry an astronaut, you know, yeah. actual suit in my closet. So I mean, I used to, but. Yeah, yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't really tell him. But did you think astronaut Laura when you saw him? I eventually did because I was racking my brain what he could be, and there really aren't a whole lot of options to dress up for in this movie. So mm-hmm. I eventually was like, okay, I think he's going like he's an astronaut. Wow, good job, yeah. Greg. Good job. So what do you? Yeah, and what's me, Cooper? Because you're hanging with Mr. Cooper today. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Uh, and I can reveal my final uh, little outfit here. Um, definitely, definitely, the theme in this movie is uh, hell. So I wanted to do something maybe to bring a little bit of light. So here you go. I got a little halo. Got a little what? zoom halo on my head. <laughs> That's adorable. Wow. So I got a little uh, little Zoom halo, you know. Zoom allows you to have these little, like, almost like filters, I guess, you know. It's awesome. Yeah, I know. I got to bring a little bit, you know, a little, little, uh, little light to this episode. <laughs> it's very there dark. you go. <laughs> you know, that was you know? a thing. That's so terrific. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So you guys can just stare at my little ha- halo through the whole episode now. <laughs> All right. So let's... Um, Let's get to a little bit of updates now, a little, you know, stuff like that that we're going to talk about real quickly. Uh, I don't think we got any little, any listener comments, questions, anything like that from, you know, nowhere. Um, we didn't get any emails this week. We definitely didn't hear anything from last week about Return to Oz. Nobody's read that book yet and emailed us <laughs> to tell us how right or wrong we were about where we broke that movie down. But I did want to talk a little bit with Laura about some of the Scream 5 updates, you know, the yeah. cast updates that have been going on these past like couple of weeks, you know. So I know Laura has a docket prepared of all the new people that have been signed on. Laura, do you kind of want to run through them? Yes. Well, we've got our triple threat back. Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Nev Campbell. So that is super exciting. Um, We also have Marley Shelton returning. She was from Screen 4. She was Dewey's little, like, deputy groupie. Um, You guys have both seen Screen 4, right? Yeah, weren't they, like, together, though? Or no? It was questionable. And then we have a lot of new confirmed people. So I'll go through those. We've got Melissa Barrera. She's 30. And she is from a hit series on stars called Vita. Um, We've got Jenna Ortega, 17. And she was on the second season of the popular Netflix show You. Mm -hmm. I watched that. I don't know if you guys did. It's very good. We've also got Jack Quaid. He's 28. Uh, He is the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. And you may remember him from Hunger Games. 
And he is also on a hit Amazon Prime show called The Boys, which I know yeah. that Rob's mm-hmm. been watching. Yeah, he's really good. He's really good on that. Nice. Uh, also on the list is Dylan Minnette, my fave. Mm-hmm. He's he's 23. We all know him from watching Don't Breathe, which we reviewed way back in episode six. Uh, he also was the lead on 13 Reasons Why, another Netflix show. Um, I always get him confused with Logan Lerman, and I think that you yeah. guys do yeah. too, yeah. because yeah. Mm-hmm. we always call him Percy Jackson, and he, he's not Percy Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. He's, he's what, Maze Runner? Is he Maze Runner? Or one's Maze Runner, one's not Maze Runner, right? Neither of them are Maze Runner. Oh my God, who's the Maze Runner kid? Some random kid. I don't are know. Are you sure? There's a triplet. Yeah. yeah. Mm, no, there's not a triplet. anyway moving on so we've got uh kyle gowner 33 and he's been in a lot of things he was in outsiders veronica mars but i remember him actually he had a small role in jennifer's body which i'm sure we will review eventually on this podcast and we've also got mikey madison 21 uh did you guys ever see once upon a time in hollywood Mm-hmm. So she's actually Sadie, uh, one of oh. the the Manson girls, the one who actually goes in the house. So you you know what I'm getting at here. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably saw her in that scene and they're like, oh, you should come to our movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, we've got Mason Gooding. He's 23, the son of Cuba Gooding Jr. And oh, wow. he he was one of the love interests in Booksmart, which is actually one of my personal oh. favorite non-horror movies. And then the last one is uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown. She's 26. And she was most notoriously uh, was on the show The Leftovers. It's oh, a giant yeah. cast. It is. Are yeah, we thinking they're cast. all they're all going to die? Is that, is that the prevailing <laughs> thought? Well, you know, the, the reason I asked Laura for ages is because with all these young kids, one of my first thoughts was... Is there any way any of these kids could be the children of the original cast? I was trying to match up ages mm. with the ages of the original cast and the time frame that's been in the gap and, you know, and stuff like that. Just just wondering if, if anything would match up to, like you said, one of the girls is 17 and, you know, one of the younger boys is like 20 something. I mean, I know they can always play younger, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, the original cast, when they started, they were supposed to be in high school, right? And they were probably in their 30s, so. Yeah, but remember, the second one is set with Sydney in college with her college friends. So for me, seeing a list of uh, actors ranging between 17 and 33, I think I saw. This could very well be at a college. It could be, which would be kind of cool because, um, you know, Scream 1 was high school, Scream 2 was college, and then Scream 3 was kind of everyone after. There wasn't a uh, a university or a school involved. It was, mm-hmm. it was actually a bunch of actors in Hollywood that were making one of the stab movies who get you know, victimized. And then Scream 4, I don't want to give it away, but we kind of go back to uh, high school. So I don't know. Maybe this one will be back to a, a college. Yeah, because, I mean, to me, like the only people that it might work would be, of course, Courtney Cox and Arquette and their characters, right? Yeah, I don't think that works with anyone else. And to be completely honest with you, they've kind of overdone that. Yeah, there have been family members coming back in one way, shape, or form in every single movie. So, so actually, maybe because they keep doing that, but I almost would see it as like, okay, I mean, can we find another connection that's not like a a, a family relation? Yeah, yeah, okay. And then the only other one, the the only thing I wanted to ask Laura is like, 
what do you think of the whole like not rumor but what do you think of the whole thing of being like the opening scene of this movie is going to be one of the big three dying kind of uh, like shout out back to drew barrymore the surprise of drew barrymore dying in the very first in, you know movie very first opening of one of the three dying in the very opening of this movie okay well i mean this is a very personal question <laughs> so um yeah well everybody online is like pissed off if you even asked that question but yeah i mean I- i'm not gonna be okay with it uh mm-hmm. if i had to tell you which of the three i would be okay with it, the one that i'm most okay with is dewey and but even still i don't even think that would be like a cool opener though i mean mm-hmm. Uh, if it's Sydney, I will revolt. Uh, unless it's one of those things where they, it looks like she has this big, you know, uh, kill scene in the beginning, like Drew Barrymore, and at the very end she comes back. Mm-hmm. But then I have the whole movie checked out, pissed off. So then I wouldn't, I would have to keep <laughs> watching it to like enjoy it. And then yeah. yeah, I mean, if it was Courtney Cox, that would probably be a pretty shocking intro. But yeah, just I would be so upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. That's yeah, rough. I've- yeah, it's a rough I mean, the, the only other, the only other thing I saw online was somebody mentioned that Matthew Lillard's character technically didn't. They don't think he died. He probably got a he probably got arrested, you know, yeah. like, you know, which means he probably could have been in jail this whole time. He definitely would have went to jail for attempted murder and murder. He they killed Sydney's mom. So spoilers. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, and I just thought like, oh man, that would be pretty sweet if there's a scene where you know, whether it's Sydney or Courtney Cox or whoever, but they have to go to jail and talk to Matthew Lillard's character in jail, you know, something like that, you know. Yeah, I think I saw that actually. I think I saw that even Matthew Lillard was like, "Come on, guys, it was just a TV. You can survive that." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, horror movies have done a lot more with much less, and True. had someone come back and. Yeah the most ridiculous ways possible. I think that would be awesome. And I, I've also actually been seeing around Twitter that people really wish that Kirby, uh, oh, yeah. she, was, mm-hmm. she was the character in the fourth one would come back. And I agree. And actually, mm-hmm. we never really saw her die. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, spoilers. But I would love to see that because she made Scream 4 for me. I mean, she was like, she was Scream 4. She was awesome. Yeah, I think I've seen that like petition online now. It's like bring Kirby back. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Okay. All right. That's cool. All right. You know, I think that's enough scream talk, you know, with Laura, you know, uh, kind of just wanted to ask her a couple of questions and, you know, probably a little bit we're going to be doing here and there just because I know she loves the franchise so much and everything. So I want to get her opinion on a couple of things, I little ideas I had. So, okay. I like it. All right, so let's uh, let's kind of get to a little opening of the movie here, you know, um, talk a little bit about the movie, and then we'll kind of like transition a bit. But uh, so this week, Laura's movie pick, we're doing 1997's Event Horizon. Um, so Laura, why did you pick this movie? I picked it for three three reasons. One, I had never seen it before, and I really wanted to see it. The second reason was we haven't really done a sci-fi movie yet. So I wanted to kind of throw that in there. Um, I know we're trying to hit all the different subgenres if we can. And then the third reason and most important is that I just see this movie talked about and debated so often online. I mean, it seems like it's either got that cult following or people just despise it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I w- kind of wanted to see why. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. And I think like we talked about the end of uh, last episode, me and Greg 
both of us have seen it. Greg, right? We've already seen this movie before going in. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we both knew what we were getting into. I think we said at the end of the episode two last week of just like surprise Laura picked this movie because uh, there's just so much gore in it and stuff like that. Yeah. Laura doesn't like that stuff. So we were surprised. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll hear about it in a little bit later what Laura's take was on this movie and if she was able to get through it or not, or, you know, if she ripped out her own eyeballs. Um, <laughs> but, uh, let's, um, let's do our, let's, let's do our quick little, uh, horror segment of the week. You know, for anybody new listeners, this is kind of like a little quick segment we usually do uh, before we get into the movie. Uh, you know, it's usually a stupid question I come up with or, some, or sometimes a game, a game that could be 30 minutes long. So if you're listening and you want to just literally hear the movie reveal, sometimes you got to fast forward about 45 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, this this week, this week we just got a question. This week, so uh, actually, this question came from Laura. Laura had a good idea for this question. So uh, the question, you know, r- r- uh, pertaining to the movie Event Horizon we're doing this week is: if if you were, you know, on a space rescue mission, uh, which famous spacecraft uh, would you choose to be on, and who would be your like co-captain, or who would be riding shotgun with you? So, Laura, do you want to go first, you know, kind of who you think, what what craft you pick in and who's riding with you? I'm very claustrophobic and I I'm actually horrified of space. It's like one of my number one fears, actually. And so I was thinking to myself, if I have to be in space, I want to make sure that I am on the biggest spacecraft that just ever existed. Mm, nice. And so my first thought was, oh, the Death Star then, right? That thing's got to be the biggest. But then I actually yeah. did some research mm. and I found out that the mothership from Independence Day, it's almost 500 miles in length and it wow. could fit 30 Death Stars in it. Wow. So now I'm like, well, that's it then. Because I think that if I'm on something that huge, it'll hopefully take away from feeling like really claustrophobic and then just knowing I'm floating around space, but maybe if I'm just, you know, in the ship and it's kind of like a cruise ship, there's fun stuff to do. I just won't think about it maybe. Um, and with everything that happened these last wait, few wait, days. I have to, I have to stop you real fast. Oh, though, yeah, but sure. What, what fun stuff are you doing on the spaceship from independence day? Like, I feel like there's no amenities there. It's just, it's an alien spacecraft. Do you think they have like coffee bars and maybe, and, maybe a bowling alley? They may bowl. Do you yeah. think they're bowling? Who knows, man? I mean, they could, it could be like their own cruise ship. They live on it. You know, maybe there's some fun activities to do. I don't know. Oh my God. I would love to see the movie where Laura's wandering around the spaceship from Independence Day <laughs> and trying to find the bowling alley where all the ballers at. <laughs> Oh my God, that'd be so awesome. Okay. All right. All right. Proceed. <laughs> proceed. Okay. I can't really fight you on it. I don't know what's behind the scenes. It's just true. There was something funny that happened this weekend. So I was thinking that my co-pilot will be a uh, Chris Evans. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. No, obviously. He got, he got, he got, his, he got his own rocket. So he, he's going to be Yes, he does. <laughs> No, I'm going with someone even bigger and badder than him. Sorry, I'm going with The Rock. Oh, dang. Hmm. Because I think I would just feel so safe with him. He could kick some ass. He's nice on the eyes. That's a good. That's a good pick, Laura. That's a good pick. You know, Thank he's super you. funny too, so it'd be entertaining. Oh yeah, we yeah, could just watch wow. his movies on loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Nice, nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, what about you, Greg? What uh, what uh, what spaceship would you pick, and who'd be riding with you? You know. Is there any is there any is there any wieners involved? Um, I mean, there's always a chance of wieners. That's always 
you can't throw that out uh-huh. of the mix. Yeah, I'm gonna say, Laura, I totally share. We, you know, we watched this movie kind of simultaneously, um, and we were like texting back and forth, and we both, you and I, have this deep-seated fear of like deep space. I think it's terrifying. The yeah. idea of just being out there with zero gravity, no, nothing to ground you, and you're just out in the abyss um, it is totally terrifying. So, I'm actually gonna kind of copy your idea of getting the biggest space possible. Right mm-hmm. to inhabit, so you don't actually feel like you're in space. But I'm going to try to one up you here and say that my ship is going to be the Nebuchadnezzar from the Matrix because that will allow me to plug into the Matrix, and then oh. therefore I will be free to roam about Earth at Whoa. my choosing. So I'll have a whole planet, even though I'm actually in space. But what if you get the knowledge while you're walking around space? I'm actually floating. So while you're walking around, quote unquote, Earth, what if you yeah. get the knowledge? Oh, shit, I'm actually like in a little I, bubble. I already. Yeah, I have the knowledge. I already know it. When you once you've taken the red pill, you already know that this is all fake. But it's the Matrix is it feels so real. It latches onto your visceral senses. I'm not even going to care. It's like being in a, in a very uh, realistic dream. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. damn greg nice wow. job throwing the matrix into this episode mm-hmm. too that's that's impressive good yeah, job it is it is if you were if you were plugged into the matrix greg what, what's your one uh like talent you want to learn you know like you learn karate in like five seconds so it's the one thing you'd want to learn <laughs> <sighs> we're gonna we're gonna be a bowler as well this way that when when me and laura's ships actually meet hers is much larger she's gonna take me up into my mm-hmm. tractor beam and mm-hmm. i'm gonna be like you didn't realize i asked Morpheus, aka Lawrence Fishburne, to teach oh, me the ball, and I'm going to clean your mm-hmm. clocks, and you're mm-hmm. not going to expect it. Wow! Damn. There you go. Wow. Sounds like a movie right there, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, like, I'd what watch a great it. Great use. What a great use of the Matrix. Greg learns the ball. <laughs> 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 okay, who's and who's who's riding with you? Who's who's uh who's it? Who are, is somebody like with you? They're you're both downloading your brains into the <laughs> Matrix, or is somebody just there watching you as you sleep? No, you, you need know, someone what? to control the ship. While, while you're doing that. Otherwise, you're going to crash mm. into a meteor and everyone's obliterated. So mm. this is the thing. When you're in space, unlike this movie, you're traveling for a long period of time. And I think you need to be in space with someone that you're not going to lose your mind over being next to. Um, so as far as popular celebrities, characters go, I am choosing Star-Lord from Guardians oh, okay. of the Galaxy. The dude is funny. Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Great pilot, excellent taste in music. Uh, I feel like he's like the perfect, you know, co-companion for for a journey like that. So Star Lord is my, uh, my my co-pilot. Wow, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Wow, it's, it's it's crazy hearing you guys talk about like the, you know, being you know claustrophobic about space and this and that. So you need like a vast ship. You need something bigger and bigger. And you know, Greg, you know, has a whole world he can explore now. You know, until <laughs> until his Wi-Fi goes down and then he's screwed. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I might be able to top you guys all because I'm picking uh, the TARDIS. I'm picking the TARDIS from oh, wow. Doctor Who, which I think if anybody watches, mm-hmm. it, it is a phone booth, but inside the TARDIS, it's almost infinite. Like there's multiple rooms. There's definitely a bowling alley. I know for a fact there's a swimming pool, you know, so I'm picking the TARDIS and definitely riding shotgun with me is going to be the 10th Doctor, David Tennant's, because um, I took this literally like we're going to save somebody on a recon mission. So I would want somebody that's actually, you know, good at saving people <laughs> and can help and stuff like uh, that. The you know? Rock is great at saving people. Like as a character, as like... Like a, as like a, a, you know the characters he plays, not like the real person. You're getting like Dwayne Johnson. You're not getting like a character from the movie, are you? Sure. 
okay, but which movie then are you picking? And which which rock? All of them. Well, he d- he does play the same character in every movie, <laughs> I guess. Hey, so I guess that would work. You mm-hmm. watch yourself when you talk about him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry, Laura. <laughs> he's the Jumanji rock, so he's got several lines. Ooh, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, calm down, Laura. <laughs> Getting really excited. Okay. All right. Well, well, good choices, everybody. Good choices. You know, uh, I would like to see our, our, our little movie where we're, we're off doing stuff. You guys are bowling and I'm, I'm actually saving somebody. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you're saving Greg. His Wi Fi went down. He's just floating around space. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Greg's, Greg is the one that sent oh, out yeah. the beacon. That's I got to go save one him. for you is, is save yeah. Greg. I got to save Greg. Yeah. That's true. Mission <laughs> top secret. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay. All right. Well, good answers. You guys good answers. Yeah. If anybody wants to email in their answers of what, uh, what spacecraft they would choose and who would be their co-captain, uh, you can email us conjecturingpod at Gmail, or you can hit us up Twitter, Instagram at conjecturingpod. So let's, uh, let's get into the actual movie now. Um, so now it's time to, let's board the ship. Let's board the ship and, and get to the movie this week. Uh, so like we said, we're doing Event Horizon, 1997 film. Director is Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, Laura put on here, he did the Resident Evil franchise. He did a bunch of those movies. She didn't put on here that he actually did the 1995 classic Mortal Kombat. Oh, which cool. I fucking he love. Did, he the, directed I, Mortal Kombat? The OG Mortal Kombat. I oh, fucking love that I love movie. love that movie. It, it's like, I guess overall it's not great maybe, but man, it's just... Uh, it was so great watching it back in the day. I thought it was so cool. I mean, still it might be one of the best, you know, video game adaptations. It, you know, it, it's pretty cool. Okay, by the know? way, Rob, you know that's like 50% the, the movie theme soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and also an interesting note, uh, he met his wife on Resident Evil because it's Mila Jovovich. Oh, oh, wow. That's, that's all his making w- sense really? now. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah. his wife, so, which I thought was really crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the budget, budget of this movie is $60 million. Box office was not good, $26 million. It definitely did not make money in the box office. I think mm-hmm. most people didn't like it when it came out. It really got a cult following later on after you know, it came out in DVD and stuff like that and VHS back in the day. Um, And Laura, do you want to do some interesting facts about the movie? Yeah. So the initial cut of the film ran 130 minutes and was was quite violent. So Paramount, I guess, ordered to cut the film by 30 minutes and tone down on some of that violence. And it it was announced in 2012 that a full version of the film had actually been found on a VHS tape somewhere in a salt mine in Transylvania. Whoa. Yeah. So I thought that was... It almost sounded like, okay, this footage is like actually evil, actually from Mm -hmm. hell. And um, I guess Anderson revealed in 2017 that obviously due to horrible archiving, like they didn't take very good care of this extra footage because they thought it was such crap that uh, we'll never get a director's cut and a longer version no longer exists. And I just thought we needed to know this fact because um, one of the biggest arguments is that in taking out those 30 minutes, yes, a lot of the gore was taken out and the time was cut down, but it did go into a lot of backstories. Like I actually just read not too long before we got on tonight that they go in deeper to um, the guy that he had served with, the one that's like at the very end. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that would have been great because I remember Greg and I were texting at this point and we're like, I think we said like, who is that? So, so anyway, I mean, I won't talk about it for too long, but I just thought that was really interesting. And I think that a lot of times when they, they make you cut stuff out of movies, it's, it's for the best. But in this 
situation and it's rare, it actually probably wasn't for the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. And then we got cast of this movie. We have, I mean, there's a lot of big people in this movie. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, you know, plays, you know, Captain Miller. You got Sam Neill, who's fucking, God, he's so good in this fucking movie. Um, so many good one-liners in this once he goes insane. Uh, you got Richard Jones as Cooper. You got Jack uh, Noseworthy as, uh, what is it, Ensign? Or Justin. Justin or Baby Bear. Baby Bear. Know? Baby Bear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then you got you know a couple other people here and there you know i'm not gonna go through everybody no. um uh laura do you want to do synopsis yeah so this movie is about it's about a spacecraft called event horizon that was sent by the government into space and has been missing for like seven years i think they said but it has recently reappeared and so this team uh they're on a ship called the lewis and clark and they've been sent to you know explore or rescue whatever or whoever is on the ship and we eventually find out that there is just straight evil aboard the ship and more or less takes them down one by one in some of the most gruesome ways possible yeah mm -hmm. pretty <laughs> pretty intense pretty intense yeah uh yeah. I know. Do you? You don't. I know you don't regret your movie choice, Laura. But I don't. I are, don't. Are you, you're kind of like, holy shit, you know? Like, were you even expecting some of this? Or I, yeah, I feel like I was pretty warned. I mean, you guys warned me. I've read about it. Um, I actually have a very good friend who has been wanting me to review this movie. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, I definitely got warned that it's very dark. It's very gory. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Good. I'm glad you survived, Laura. Good job. Yeah, yeah. thank I'm glad you. you survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get into it. You know, let's just kind of start with the opening of this movie, like we usually do, kind of like you know, the opening setup, uh, you know, maybe like the first, you know, bit of this movie. Uh, Greg, what did you kind of think of the opening in this movie? Oh, the opening to me was the best part of the movie. Kind of get this shot of the space station where a lot of the ships are docking and they kind of set you up by saying, okay, this is the history of human space travel in 2015 um it was like our first settlement on the moon which we were <laughs> we were kind of joking you know that they've sort of uh overestimated mankind's abilities i mean i feel like you know 2015 we were debating whether the dress was blue or white and they're like <laughs> we've settled on the moon you know so okay yeah. cool mm -hmm. and then they said you know 30 or 40 years later 2047 we've um established a colony on mars so they're kind of giving you a, a synopsis of like where we're headed so it's it's kind of a cool setup um you see a lot of the spacecraft stuff uh i i didn't like how it started off by saying mission top secret i mean it's, i felt that was kind of uh over explained i mean just let us see it you know let's just <laughs> let the scene unfold and we'll understand that it's top secret um but yeah other than that that the whole opening scene is really you just understanding that you're on board this ship with like a ragtag group of uh space rescue personnel and then sam neil's character dr weir is kind of like a fish out of water guy and he, he plays that role really well he's not part of the crew but he's just been on board and nobody knows why he's there and he's like trying to talk to the captain hey i appreciate you taking me on board and he gets cut off at every pass it's just a really good setup to get to know the feeling that this crew has a routine they're going through the motions they're getting ready to go in stasis which maybe one of you guys can talk about um and he's still like in awe of the ship, you know, and kind of like out of place there. I thought that was a really great setup. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Laura? Where do you think I like the opening of this movie? Yeah, I agree. I think the opening is pretty strong. It's got a good setup. Uh, it starts off with the most intense music, which just continues on throughout <laughs> the whole movie. So mm-hmm. that is super fun. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah, I, I definitely think that out of all of the kind of opening scenes, when everyone gets into their um, little pods filled with water, which they call stasis, I I always think that is the coolest. That is like my favorite trope of every sci-fi movie i don't know why i think maybe because that actually doesn't exist in real life but yet we see it in like every sci-fi film mm-hmm. i just think it's really cool um we need something like that just on earth now like if i'm taking a, a plane to, to new york city and i i just want to go into stasis for you know five hours and just wake up there you know they need maybe to that's that. what it is yeah it's very appealing like i like I'm horrified by it, but I also am like, that would be nice. I don't want to have to like be on this long ass journey somewhere. So, so you're just really longing for a nap. You just want to like, <laughs> take a nap right now. That's it. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, the opening of this movie, yeah, I did like the opening of this movie. I mean, like, like you talked about, you know, they kind of set up, you know, what they're doing, where they're going. They do the whole like, you know, these like Greg said, these are all the crew. It, it's pretty much the same typical thing for most sci-fi movies. There's like a, like Greg said, a ragtag bunch of people. Everybody's different. Everybody has their own personality. Um, but I thought it was fine. You know, I didn't think it. I didn't think it was like overexplained. You know, that much. I was like, okay, I get what you're talking about. You know, I do like a couple of the funny parts where they're like, oh, can you can you break it down in layman's terms, like what the event horizon does and where we're mm-hmm. going, and and he starts going off into like mathematical terms, and they're like, no, wait, like 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 layman's, like we don't know what we're talking about. So I thought that was kind of funny, you know, or or even the part where. Uh, he's talking about the black hole theory and he like he does the whole trick with like breaking bringing the paper and putting two holes in it and then bend it in half you know and then it's like one of the guys like nudie posters that from like his wall and he's like hey 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 he's like that's mine that's mine I thought that was kind of funny you know yeah. um, yes I like the opening I thought it did a good job setting up what you need to know to get into the movie mm-hmm. you know um, do, do you guys want to what do you guys think of like the actual characters themselves uh, I mean I think that our favorite character was probably Cooper right I mean so funny just delivered some of the best lines uh but obviously this character doesn't have like a whole lot of screen time you know Mm -hmm. most of them don't except for dr weir and uh captain miller and i i really like dr weir so sam neill when he's evil i think that that was great acting i thought he played you know it so so basically you know he starts off this journey as um you know a captain or you know he was the creator of the event horizon and he's just so passionate about it that's why he's on this rescue mission to go back to his ship that he created and he wants to see what happened but he completely lets the evil that's on the ship take over him probably because he was so passionate about it and just completely unwilling to let it go so i think once that happens the acting was fantastic and i i do like sam neill as an actor but i gotta say his acting in the beginning i was confused because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's incredible. And I, I was not feeling it. There was a scene and maybe this is my little condition. I don't know, but he has visions of his, uh, his deceased wife. And these visions are all horrifying. And during one of his visions, uh, something happens and he, this is how he screams. He goes, Oh, (laughs) I was like, what? Was that supposed to be done that way? I I was very confused. So I was not a fan of his acting in the beginning, I have to say. 
I don't know, probably unpopular opinion, but uh, it's not that bad, Laura. I get what you're saying. I, it is definitely. I mean, he when he goes like insane, he really leans into the yes. over the top like insanity. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, what about you, Greg? What did you kind of think of some of the actors or you know uh, their acting and stuff like that? Yeah, to me, number one is Lawrence Fishburne. The the rest of the the cast was, was fine. I, I think everyone's actually a pretty good actor, but I have big beef with a lot of the lines that they were given. But you know, hmm. we'll get into that. But to me, um, I thought Lawrence Fishburne was the best because throughout the movie, I kept getting drawn out by a lot of the overacting and a lot hmm. of the lines and a lot of things that just kind of pulled me out. But I feel like his his character always pulled me back in. He was always very measured and balanced and yet serious and to me throughout the movie he was the glue the the entire way that i thought um just kind of kept me in it so he he was number one for me yeah i mean i mean like i'd have to say like laura like sam neil to me he is this movie like he once once he goes insane and gives into the ship and all that and you know like like i said leans into the insanity I mean, he's, he's, he dials that dial up to a hundred and it's like, it's, it's beautiful. It, it's so awesome <laughs> to see him like go crazy and so many great one liners from him in this movie. Um, but like, like, like Greg said though, too, like overall, like I thought the acting was pretty good by everybody. I thought everybody had really super genuine reactions. I mean, we're talking about these are a lot of great actors. This isn't, you know, you know, some other like, you know, lower horror movies where it's like a lot of newbies or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I thought the act, I thought acting overall was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about like the set design because mm. I, I thought the whole like design of like the ship, the interiors, you know, the spacesuits, like like I thought everything was on point as far as visually for this movie. Yeah. Uh, what, what did what did you think, Greg? Oh my god, yeah, they, it. This is probably one of the most incredibly designed. Uh, movie sets that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The spacesuits were terrific. Their boots, like when they, the magnetic boots, when they would, you know, uh, click and, and latch onto the ground. Um, every corridor, every hallway, right now our zoom backgrounds are this kind of like metallic spinning corridor that's used to, they kind of explain it. Somehow it diffuses the gravity before you get to the gravity chamber. It's all probably BS, but it doesn't matter. It looks cool. Um, <laughs> Every single scene was amazing, and I feel like that's where you should spend your money, and that's where it's well spent. Mm-hmm. It's just designing these sets. You know, when they got onto the event horizon, well, their uh, their rescue ship wasn't too bad either. It kind of had this, um, you know, in the main deck. I thought the uh, Captain Miller's His chair ship. was kind of it was odd. It was odd <laughs> yeah. because he's kind of floating there, mm-hmm. and it, it looks cool, but. It's not really conducive to space travel because it's loop. It's like hey, it's suspended from the ceiling. Yeah. It kind of looks like an old grandma in a wheelchair and kind of just no. Like I had to second guess myself. Like, oh, was he in a wheelchair? I had to like think back <laughs> to other scenes. It's a cool that. idea, but the thing is, this is like okay. I, my thing is okay. Lawrence Fishburne commands such a presence on the screen. He's a mm. he's a badass, and I think this is a few years before that he did the Matrix as a captain. You are central, like, you know, figure. You could be a man, a woman, whatever, but you are solid, right? You're grounded and everything goes around you. Nothing goes out of your watch. So think of like Star Trek. You have a captain's chair. You're lounging back. 
and you're kind of in this comfortable state where you can survey all of your pilots and you can survey in front of you. That's the, the power and the command of a captain. He, he's got his legs kind of like squished together, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and he's like floating. And mm-hmm. it, it's just a cool idea and concept, but in execution, it makes him look silly and, and yeah. wimpy. And I thought that was bad, but like I, I can appreciate the uh, the idea behind it. Like they're trying to be innovative. It's cool. I mean, I think what they should have done is fix it to the ground and made it like swivel 360. Like that would have been mm-hmm. cool. But yeah. still, like you can appreciate the fact that the sets were just uh, incredible. I, I can think of few other movies that had more elaborate, impressive sets at, at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, like you said, the right when you see Lawrence Fishburne's uh, the captain's chair. Like you're, it's so like weird. Like your eyes are like, wait, what's happening right now? It, it looks so unnatural. One and two. I was trying to decide. I'm like, I'm like, did they CGI like his chair? Like it just looked so weird in the scene. Like the chair itself was so odd looking. And I didn't even think about the fact what you're talking about, Greg, of like how, you know, how like wimpy it made him look, you know? And you're so right. Like looking back at him, like, yeah, you're right. Because if he's not in the chair, he's super like, you know, heroic in this movie and like, you know, assertive. And he's like, he's the captain. But yeah, when he's in that chair, he just seems so like, like we're listening to this guy. Like, you know, yeah. why don't you swivel around the other way, buddy? You know, uh, but, but but overall, you know, the, the set design is is like immaculate in this movie. I mean, God, everything is so cool looking. I mean, almost every set piece is, is art, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. Every set piece is art, you know, everything looks so awesome. Like I said, very textured. Everything looks so real. Man, it was so cool. I mean, I mean, the actual, whatever you want to call it, the actual, is it called the Event Horizon Room? The gate? Whatever it's called, the gate room, you know, where it's like the sphere and everything's inside there. And, and, and you know, that That's room. The gravity is, drive. Uh, yeah, the gravity drive room. Yeah. Like that room is just so crazy yeah. looking with all the like dials everywhere and like you know all the walls have like you know circles within circles within circles and then those circles have like little circles and there's but i mean i don't know why there was spikes everywhere that's a different thing we could talk about later (laughs) you know i don't understand how that can be safe at all but yeah the set design in this movie is so awesome i mean it's so cool just to visually see everything in it uh what what about you laura what do you think of the set design yeah i agree with what you both are saying i think that overall this is my favorite part of this movie and I agree. I think it was, com- I think it was perfection. I mean, it, minus some bad CGI of like items floating around when they first board the ship, which was <laughs> horrible. I feel like I just need to just throw it out of my brain and never think about it again because everything else was basically practical. And yeah, I mean, you were kind of talking about the the spiky things in the, in the gravity room, whatever it was called. I thought that was cool too, because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, this is a fucking hell ship. You know, this is what a hell ship would look like. I didn't know until now. And now that I've (laughs) seen it, I'm like, this is what it is. So yeah, I just thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about, you know, let's talk a little bit about the movie here a bit, you know, uh, we already talked about the opening kind of setting up with the movie as we kind of went over some of the stuff now, but I mean, just talking about what's going on in this movie a bit, you know, um, you know, pretty much, like I said, this this ship disappeared seven years ago. Sam Neill's character built this, you know, drive, built this thing to go into, you know, travel through time quicker, blah, blah, blah. Has, to me, it had like a black hole. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so pretty much it, it did it. it. The original crew, you know, initiated it and then they're gone. Nobody knows what happened to them. So yeah. the team has to go try to rescue them. And then as they're on the ship, people start seeing things. Um, you know, they find an old like CD. I think Greg had, you know, didn't really like the fact that they had an old CD in there, you know, nothing like that. Yeah. Um, I thought that they could have been, you know, like what you do in sci-fi movies, you invent technology that doesn't exist. Back to the Future was great at that. Mm-hmm. They invented hoverboards. They invented a bunch of stuff that could never be invented you know because the movie was set like 40 years in the future i thought if you're going to create technology that's set 50 years in the future just come up with something ridiculous and yeah you might have landed on a flash drive i don't know but yeah. we mm-hmm. still like cd-rom no, that was kind of funny yeah or, or at least like you know we started with a floppy disk which was square and then we have yeah. a cd which is circle at least go to a triangle yeah, at, least make it a tri- at least make it a triangle something basic like that but uh yeah they find they find a disc which was like the last transmission of the original crew um you know and they kind of start playing some of it and they see some images but it's not clear yet uh kind of what's going on so like i said then people start seeing things everybody is seeing kind of their worst fear i guess you would say uh, their worst fear they're seeing, you know, um, Sam Neil, like Laura said, he started seeing stuff before he even got on the ship, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy, which kind of goes into like, you know, my thing of like, I'm wearing like the shining shirt of just saying like how many call outs there are to the shining in this. A movie. lot. Mm-hmm. I just, didn't notice any. What are you guys? What? That? You didn't notice any of them, Greg? Oh my God. I'm, I, I guess Greg, I'm just not a big shining buff. I didn't know. How <laughs> did you not notice the scene where all the blood comes down? It looks oh, okay. exactly yeah. like the elevator. That's, maybe that's the, the only one that, that struck me. But no, nah, there's, there's, there's that one. There's a, I mean, there's just in general of Sam Neill's character, mm-hmm. you know, being like pulled towards insanity. Uh, you yeah. know, the overall presence. You could even say it's very similar to... You know, the shining of the hotel itself is haunted. And in this movie, the, the ship is haunted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the very similar things like that where yeah. the ship is trying to keep him there. And even the so multiple, cool. yeah, the multiple times where Sam Neill is just literally like, like, no, like we can't leave. Yeah. You know, like we have to stay here. And it's the same as The Shining where he's like telling Wendy, like, no, like we have to stay here now. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, this, this place wants us to stay. Yeah. Um, and then to me, the only other one I really spotted out, I made note about it was when, uh, when they show Sam Neill's wife like killing herself and it's like the bathroom scene. And it's very similar to me that the bathroom scene from the shining with the old mm, woman mm-hmm. but yeah you know like i said everybody sees things and stuff like that do you guys want to shout out any of the crazy things people seen did anything get you more or less like did the little kids scare you more or the fire guy or you know anything like that uh i think probably actually i don't feel like any of these things really scared me too much i actually weirdly liked that they were smart enough to know that they were seeing things i Mm. mean so they were smart enough to know that but the evil is so strong that i think the first person to really see something and let it attribute to their demise is um peter's because you know Mm -hmm. she she left behind her son who was in a wheelchair and she keeps seeing him and she's aware of it you know she tells them all matter of factly i yeah i'm having visions too i'm seeing my son so she's smart enough to know he's not here these you know visions are happening to me because i'm on the ship and some weird stuff's going on but yet then she sees him again and he's running around and she's just she has to chase after him um, and so I actually thought all of that was pretty cool. I think that probably the scariest one is is still like Sam Neill's wife with that without the eyes. Um, mm. And then mm. and then we do see the scene where she committed suicide and kind of gives you some backstory because he's 
riddled with guilt because it sounds like he was a workaholic. He was dedicated to the creation of this ship and he wasn't around, um, which caused her to commit suicide. So, um, yeah, I thought that was actually a really cool part of the movie. It didn't, I wouldn't say anything really scared me too much from that part. Really? Because I feel like there was a couple good like jump scares in this movie. I mean, even if you talk a about like bit. the original, like right when they go on to the event horizon and they're kind of like searching to see if they could find the original crew. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the very subtle, like uh, Lawrence Fishburne character standing there and then like a hand like touches yeah. his shoulder <laughs> and he, he physically jumps, which makes you physically jump watching. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and then just, I mean, overall, though, like the uh, the parts where they're kind of like disoriented and they're kind of like either running through hallways or talking about Peter is looking for her son. She's like her head is swiveling really quickly back and forth. And so like the camera is doing it at the same time. I thought those little effects were, like you said, not really like scary, but very like unnerving and a little bit jarring. Yes. You know Actually, what I mean? I, I will say this movie, uh, up until a certain point, which we're getting close to talking about, which was what actually scared me, um, I had a lot of anxiety through this movie. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. So that was mm-hmm. huge because I, I was actually watching this movie and I looked down and realized that my leg was shaking. I was just shaking mm-hmm. my leg like while I was sitting there watching it. So, you know, that's got to give it credit for that. Yeah. What about you, Greg? Did any of the like you know jump scares or any of the people being? I don't. I feel weird saying haunted. It, it feels weird to say haunted because I know it's not really like a ghost, but you know, uh, did any of the uh, characters, you know, events that they were experiencing, uh, kind of get you more than others? Yeah, for the most part, they were all pretty disturbing. It, it just in content, but I, I've always had this fear of being, and you see this in a lot of movies that involve deep sea exploration where if you surface too fast, you get air oh, bubbles in mm-hmm. your blood and you, there's this like a depressurization. And um, they do this with Justin Bieber, you know? Bieber. Uh, you can't even <laughs> say it, can you? Justin, B- Justin Bieber? <laughs> Justin Bieber? Oh, God. Please don't. Please don't have that. If anybody new is listening, uh, don't, don't, don't turn off the pod now because we mentioned Justin Bieber. <laughs> I didn't get it. I just thought you like refused to say baby bear. So you were like, bear. I'm trying to shorten it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he's actually the first one to sort of lose it, right? Because he, he touched this like Stargate looking liquid. He like got sucked in, dude. He got sucked in. Oh yeah, he in. got yeah. sucked in. You're right. Yeah. You know, the gravity drive turned on and he touched it like an idiot. Why would you touch it? But exactly. he touched it and it sucked him in and who knows what he saw or what affected him. But then when it spit him back, he was never the same again. But it comes to the the point where he decides to kill himself. So he sends himself out through an airlock. And that was terrifying because you see his mm-hmm. veins kind of expanding, mm-hmm. bubbling up. And I don't know, man, that always, that, um, that depressurization thing has always been like a big fear of mine. So that scene was kind of disgust, gross to me. And it, it really got me. But everything else was, you know, while disturbing was... Um, was digestible for me. So, so you're definitely Greg. You're not going to space. You're not going under the ocean that much. So no. you're pretty much you're just status on the land. Like you're not really going anywhere. Yeah, this, or hooking up to the Matrix. <laughs> like that's, this is really that's, interesting because my second greatest fear after space is the ocean. Like being stuck. I think Greg and I have the exact same fears. That go <laughs> crazy. What it is? Did you were you guys afraid to go on Finding Nemo and Disneyland? Oh, I've never been on it. Oh, I like legit have to not have panic attacks on that ride. Yeah. In fact, oh my god, this is embarrassing. But this is Disneyland we're talking about. I'm sure they have this ride at Disney World as well. 
And before it was the Finding Nemo ride, it was just like the yellow submarine ride. Yeah. So I've been going on this ride every trip to Disneyland my whole life. I don't love it, but everyone else I go with likes it. And the only reason why I do okay is because, you know, when you're panicking, uh, if you have any kind of panic disorder, anxiety disorder, you feel like you're, you can't breathe very well, or you're like grasping for air. You, you know, like, um, I know a lot of people say that if they're indoors and they panic, they want to go outside and get that fresh air or something. Yeah. Well, when you're on this ride and you're in your little bucket seat and you got your little personal window in front of you, they have some air holes right at the bottom. So if you shove your face right up against your little window, all this air is shooting up at you. And so what I do is I just pretend I'm so into the ride that I'm just so close to the window, but really I'm just taking very, you know, <laughs> very deep no. breaths of this air. Like you're breathing. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that's, funny. that's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys are crazy. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, I guess what you really take away from this movie is like the gore and the, 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 the crazy visuals in this movie. I know when we picked it, you know, after we went off the air, I told Laura, I'm like, I don't even be able to watch this, Laura. There's some really fucked up imagery in this movie. So what'd you guys think of like the gore? I don't even want to call it gore. I mean, it's gory, but uh, just some of the the imagery in this movie, you know, and just how far it goes. What what do you think about that, Greg? It goes pretty far, but (sighs) it comes in flashes, which allows you to absorb it. You guys were talking about there was an uncut version. Jeez, I don't, I don't know what the uncut version looks like. I'm interested to know, but I'm also, yeah, I'm also cool with not knowing. Uh, yeah. What, what about you, Laura? How did you, how did you handle some of the imagery in this movie? I was repaired, so I think that some of the really gory scenes, like um, you know, people falling to their demise and just so much blood and you know, ripping eyeballs out. Um, yeah. or like the, the guy that's been kind of splayed open over a table with all of his insides out Mm -hmm. stuff normally would get to me a little bit, but you know, we've been watching these movies for some time now and I, I feel like I'm getting a little more numb to it than I used to be, you know? And so the part that obviously is the absolute worst is when they are able to clean up the video footage and Mm -hmm. what you Mm -hmm. see is like a satanic orgy. Uh, it's an orgy. Uh, and the scenes that you're getting quickly are things that I will not be able to unsee. And I'm going to be thinking about forever. Uh, specifically, there is like a full fist and forearm that goes down somebody's throat. And just a lot of like things happening where it was like, at the time, I was like, this is disgusting. And oh, I can't believe I just saw that. And I don't know if it's my brain I only watched this once shielding myself from what I saw, or if you don't have like a lot of time to really absorb all the detail. So it kind of leaves you with like a fuzzier memory. It sticks with you, but you kind of forget the details. Um, And so I, I just remember making so much noise during the scene, like, Oh my God, you know, it was just, it it wouldn't stop. (laughs) It was horrifying. And then, uh, and that's also when, the captain of the event horizon, the first go round, like takes out his eyes and then shows it to the video camera with, mm-hmm. like in his palms. Uh, to answer your question, Greg, I had to learn about the footage that was cut. And it sounds like this scene where they show the video footage actually goes on a lot longer. 
And it's oh, like, if you missed geez. it the first time because you're either like looking away or kind of confused what was happening, it's very clear it was an orgy. I read that it's scenes of people like ripping out flesh from each other's necks. Someone's getting impaled from the back while being hit from Do the I back. Do I not know what an orgy is? Uh, I know. I was going to say, is that what, is that what happened well, in an orgy? It's like a sacrificial orgy. I was going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cancel my plans for next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It actually even sounds like out of all the different people, you know, doing it, uh, some people are, are just like doing it like rough. And then other ones are mm -hmm. being, people are eating each other. Not like that. Like actually eating flesh <laughs> uh, or just like not the, not the good type of eating. murdering yeah, each other yeah. in horrific ways. So, yeah, that's cr I can't imagine seeing more of that scene. That to me was the most fucked up scene of this movie. The scariest scene for me. Yeah, I. Yeah. At that point, it wasn't just my leg shaking. I was like, I wasn't jumping up and down. That's that's not the right phrase. I just like was bouncing around because I was like, ah, make it stop. Make it stop. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew I read something on the Internet about uh, the what do you want to call it? Demonic sex scene. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I read that they for that scene, like you said, you know, it was definitely longer in the, in the other cut um, that they brought in porn stars and uh, amputees. So those were the two, like, that was, those were like, that was the casting call for that scene was like people that are in like the, you know, entertainment, like pretty much comfortable being nude or you're an amputee. So pretty much everybody in that scene falls into one of those two categories. So that just kind of tells you all you need to know about that scene and those like, you know, maybe five to 10 seconds they show stuff. Oh, that, um, that made my yeah. stomach hurt. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, but the, definitely the gore overall in this movie is pretty, it's pretty jarring especially i think the three of us don't really like a lot of that gore but um i think it i mean it's it's definitely the biggest takeaway you take mm -hmm. away from this movie though is those yeah. scenes like if those scenes weren't in this movie i don't think this movie would be as highly let's say it's highly rated but as highly memorable without those scenes though because it's just so crazy yeah it's true honestly you need it for this movie if you're really gonna show what hell looks mm -hmm. like um they they go for it i think that for the time that this came out and compared to other movies that we've seen, like they, it sure, like I said, it sure seems like a hell ship to me. You know, I mean, this is like mm -hmm. as awful as it gets just being tortured in these absolutely disgusting ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about like the, um, the directing in this movie. You know, I thought this was a really well-directed movie. I thought, I thought there was multiple scenes in this movie that I thought were really cool shots. Um, I think one of the first ones I, I remember making a note about was when something's wrong with like the electricity or the drives going down and Sam Neill has to climb into like this. It's like an air duct, but it has mm -hmm. like computer chips like all over the walls and they're illuminated in green. Mm -hmm. Visually, that's just a cool visual. Like we're going back to set design of like that's what their you know programming looks like at the inside of the ship. I thought it was really cool looking. But in that scene, there's a part where Sam Neill starts hearing like his wife's voice. And I don't know how they did this, but Sam Neill is like looking at the camera, like, you know, like he's looking through the hallway, he's looking at the camera. And then behind him, the background like moves away. It like elongates behind him. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's like a CG shot or they use some type of like thing where they move the camera a certain way. But I remember thinking to myself, like, that is a really cool shot, especially for 1997 to have the the background behind a still actor like move like it's being elongated through a tunnel um yeah. do you guys have any good directed uh 
scenes you want to shatter just overall directing you want to talk about yeah as far as as far as camera work you, you said it the the directing of that was good i i i thought i had big problems with the way that the actors were directed but as far as like how they flowed from shot to shot and gave you the sense of vastness of the event horizon ship um i thought they did a really great job with that mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point there is a big difference between like you know directed shots and the visuals that we already think are awesome and then like how the actors are directed that's interesting greg i want to hear like the big gripes you have with that yeah all right let, yeah let's let's get into some positives and negatives then you know um i'm mean, already shouted out a lot of i think of the, most of the positives like visually yeah you know you know are, are kind of things that stand out the most in this whether it's you know an orgy scene or a cool visual turning circle um but uh yeah so what uh let's start with greg then greg what are your what's some of your positives and i guess more of your negatives because i feel like maybe you have more negatives than i have about this movie yeah the the main positive for me is that the concept is is just so unique and i've never seen it done in any other movie i thought that it was fantastic and, and you guys we've touched on it several times it's the concept of like taking hell and making it like a scientific property or or or, or principle or something that we've We've tried to expand our technological limits so far. We created a black hole. We can travel to another universe thinking that, wow, we're going to preserve the human race. We're going to find other universes to go and inhabit and make friends with aliens. Oh, shoot. No, we didn't. We ripped a hole in the universe and we found ourselves in a realm that we just we can't conceive. And it's just full of chaos and ideas that we can't process in our brains and it's just full of absolute horror so that's my major positive as far as negative i just ah, i just hate it so you guys know that my biggest gripe in in movies is is feeling like my hand is being forced mm-hmm. pace is big for me i don't like being pushed through a movie where i feel like i'm being pushed too fast or i'm being pulled in a direction that doesn't feel organic and I thought a lot of the actors were great. They had a lot of energy. They had a lot of fervor. They delivered their lines the best that they could. But the things that they said were just were terrible. The the worst scene that I uh, for me was the was that initial scene where they're all together and Sam Neill's character is trying to discuss physics one hundred and one with astronauts who sh- who have been flying through space their entire career. Yeah. And then he goes, well, we've discovered faster than light travel. And then the first thing that um, that Smith says, he goes, excuse me, you, you actually can't do that. Like, so he's already throwing, like, attitude toward the doctor he's never met before, that he doesn't understand where he's coming from. It, it just seems way too rushed in just a few seconds. But then, like, the, the things that they say just, they, they really lost me. Um Stark says the law relatively prohibits faster than light travel. Yes, yes, obviously you're astronauts. That that goes without saying. You, you don't need to. You don't need to explain it. It seems like a lot of exposition in in, in this scene. And I, I mean, I'm not going to go over all of them, but the main idea that I just want to convey is that everything just seems so forced throughout the entire thing. And I don't know that there's enough time. Maybe you could have made the movie longer, but the things that they were consistently saying, the reason why it seemed overacted, I guess, is because you don't know these characters yet. I, I feel like in other movies like Alien or in Predator or movies where you have like an ensemble cast of different unique personalities, you get a you get little tidbits of their of their personality in the beginning. But 
you don't get it full on. You let it gradually grow on you. None of these characters, to me, had a chance to grow on me. So then when they're throwing attitude and shade at each other and yelling, oh, you saw that, you saw that, I don't, I didn't see that, you're hallucinating. Um, It was just totally lost to me. Hmm. I just, I'm just like flabbergasted right now, Laura. Are you, are you like surprised, Laura, how much he's trashing certain things in this movie that coming from the guy who loves most of the garbage movies we review, say The Faculty, which it literally, what you're talking about is our gripes with The Faculty. It's like an ensemble cast. You know, their lines are horribly written. You know, how come the faculty to you gets so much leeway, you know, and this movie doesn't? Yeah, that's a good question. See, the thing is, this is in, in Alien, I feel like this ragtag group theme makes sense because they are, that's their job. Their job is to be terrestri- terrestrial beings, right? Their job is on planets. But these people, what they do for a living is be in space and go rescue people. So they should be astronauts. Like, I think maybe we've been spoiled by astronaut movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't, it, that you get onto a ship, you need to know how astrophysics works, right? All of you. It doesn't matter if you're a medical technician, a communications tech, if you're whoever. You need to, you basically like square one, you need to be an astronaut. Then you can be a biologist or then you can be a weapons expert. You know, there's that scene where they, they get to the event horizon and then, um, Dr. Weir goes, Oh, that's not a load bearing structure. And the pilot grabs onto it with the clamping goes, it is now. And I'm thinking, Whoa, you just risked the entire life of the crew to grab onto something you didn't know would hold that weight because you're kind of a badass. Again, this is totally, I can tell by your guys' directions, like I'm being totally nitpicky, but. A lot of this stuff just just really lost me. Um, yeah. No, I don't mind you being nitpicky. Yeah, I just I like, you, did, I like you didn't answer. You didn't you didn't answer my original question of like why is it okay to be nitpicky in this movie but not be nitpicky in the faculty? Like is like what you're kind of the way you explained well, this. Like these are these are science. No, he, well, in, in well, the faculty, you're talking well, about teenage personalities, which really can flex a little bit, and it, it's mm-hmm. really varied, especially in the '90s when you had clicks. Again, we talked about this before. I don't know if you have that nowadays, but back then when mm-hmm. people were in various groups. Pretty much anything goes. You fell into certain um, groups, and it made sense. But now we're not talking about social groups. We're talking about technology. We're talking about a, a mm-hmm. person's profession, a person's occupation. And maybe as being a person in their 30s, this is more of like what I identify with. So mm-hmm. it's not like – I think if I – I saw this movie for the first time in my teenage years, and I remember liking it a lot and not really caring about all the scientific stuff because I, I bought into it. Um, but now I'm thinking like, okay, well, no organization just sends you into space, space, right? Where very few people are going. No one sends you into space if you're not like a genius. Like, I guess this is the thing is like knowing the, the astronauts that NASA sp- sends into space, these are the, the cream of the crop. These are people who pass insane physical tests. These are people who are being, um, supported by billions of dollars to go into space who are at the top of their profession, right? So then when you show me like this, see, alien is one thing, but when you show me this and you tell me that, okay, this is only 30 years removed from 2015, I feel like this crew cannot make those professional snafus. They can't. I don't know. Again, like I feel like I'm on kind of a lonely island here because 
it's like no i i think i think no i don't think you're on a lonely island i think laura might agree with you somewhat i'm just trying to get clarity in my head of what you're saying and so so pretty much your biggest negative is practicality that's your biggest negative is the is a practicality of like actual like astronauts and and what they should or shouldn't know right yeah that's that that's a big that's a big part of it but like the the practicality to me is manifest through what they say so part mm-hmm. like if, if they would have been given different lines, I, I could probably spend a day and write different lines for everybody and it would go <laughs> over a lot better for me. Mm-hmm. So like clearly this movie wasn't like The Martian, which like worked hand in hand with NASA to make sure like everything they're legitly saying is accurate and in protocol. Like this was just a movie made in 1997 by a guy that was coming off Mortal Kombat that was like, hey, you know, it'd be cool if we clamp that low bearing clip there. It'd be a pretty funny scene. Like nobody gave a yeah. shit about any of the actual effects and how they would do things, you know? Um, but okay. I was just trying to understand a little bit more what you're talking about, but uh, okay. All right. What, what about you, Laura? Do you, do you agree with Greg more? Are you more like me and you're upset that he's even talking about this? I, can I just say, <laughs> I love when I am not on the one of the ends of the argument. I love it. I just like, I love listening to you guys debate. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Like you love it when I'm debating with the other one of you, but man, it's just, it makes me feel so good. I feel like I can keep, I can keep going, but I don't want to make it. I, like yeah, like, I, I, I feel like I'm the optimist. I, I like to think that way. I, I like to think forward thinking, but then yeah. when something just, just gets me a certain way, I have a hard time overcoming it. And this yeah. is one. And that's why, that's why I, that, I think that's why I'm so taken back right now is because like, Usually just, it's I've me. never, I've, yeah, I've never really seen this side of you. You're so much like the optimist and you're so much like, oh, like, I, I, you know, this movie is like, you know, cheesy or whatever. But I love it. I love the cheese. This movie, like for some reason, you're like, I'm not eating that fucking cheese. Yeah. You know, I'm not eating space cheese, you know, and it's just something I wasn't expecting it. So I'm taken back. And then, too, I'm just like, wow, it's it's crazy. You know, no, Rob, you have to remember that. And I know Greg has seen Event Horizon before, but Movies that we've seen when we're a little bit younger that have like some kind of emotional connection for us, you can't. They get, like, imp- they get imprinted on us. Yeah, yeah. So you can't. You can't compare this with Greg with the faculty. We just can't do that because mm-hmm. I have those movies too. We can't do that. But it is funny to me because I this whole time I've been like, how funny, Greg, that you are like, mm-hmm. oh, so now they're. You know, now they're doing all this smart ass commenting and I didn't e- I haven't even gotten to know their personalities and their characters yet. When we watched the thing, and that was my biggest gripe, is that we don't know any of these assholes, one from the other. And you were like, I love that. I love that we didn't really know who any of them were. So that is where I'm like, man, Rob, you should have you should have argued that movie. But in the thing, do you guys remember me saying in the thing, I loved how they were actually boring? Yeah. And that's yeah, the thing. It's like because true. in their bland personalities, I got it because they were just normal scientists. <laughs> they didn't need to try to make their imprint on the movie. Like there are a lot of forgettable characters, but in a good way. I'm glad mm. a lot of those people took a backseat. In this one, I felt like every time that Cooper said something that he thought was going to be you know, funny. Looks like Doc's got a case of the willies. You know, I mean, he kind of had like a moment. Baby bear, you better keep your nose clean. And then it, there was a pause. I felt like that was him trying to like shine, and it, yeah. it, it took me out. But that's just my that's my response to you. Like, I, I just think that it's it's kind of different, okay. like yeah. knowing them versus not knowing them. I accept that answer. I will let you win this one. But the other uh, ones, I don't know if I'm gonna ooh. let you win. Ooh. Yeah, I want to hear what you think about the, the other the other stuff. For so, sure. I'll tell you straight up, I agree with that scene in the very beginning. 
when I had the same thought, you guys are astronauts and you have to ask him to re-explain something that you should know three times. And I get that it's because we as viewers don't know what they're talking about. I, that's why they did it. But yeah. you're right. Like they all were like, no, layman's turn. Like they kept saying it like, no, we don't get it. It's like, dude, yeah, you do. You all like clearly get it, you know? So I'll give you that. I for sure will. But first of all, if I were out on a rescue mission, I would be fucking scared shitless. So there's that. But if you then told me that what I thought I was doing was not what I was doing and everything I thought I knew about this event horizon ship, it was, was wrong. And now you brought me there. It's all fucked up. Now my ship, something's wrong with my ship and now I'm stuck on it and I have to try to figure out a way out. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm probably going to think of doing crazy stuff like the guy who puts the thing on what did you guys say it was like oh he clamps the clamp on the, on the load door bearing, yeah not a load like, bearing thing or something. they're just like get me off this ship yeah that's that's so interesting because i feel like my mind goes in two directions one is along your track which is to say that look a lot of the lines that they say and a lot of the things that they do in response to this crazy situation seem mm -hmm. right on paper like i i, I love mm -hmm. the lines like where he goes fuck layman's terms do you speak english like on paper that seems good <laughs> But there's a there's another <laughs> side of me where I feel like it was rushed or, or like mm -hmm. when they're discussing what they saw and what they didn't see. And this is where like I feel like people should in the in the middle of space, you give people more benefit of the doubt. I feel like you're not as adversarial. Mm -hmm. This isn't like Predator because I think they actually do it better where you have a group of people who argue with each other because they're in the jungle. And in the jungle, you can mess around, you can debate, you can be like, let's go. We were sent out to the jungle and do stuff. But like, I feel like in space, you can't fuck around with this stuff. Don't go clamping on the stuff because it's like you're in the middle of space. But it, look, I again, your, your points are very well taken. I, I understand, you know, if you're put in that situation, like they said, they were supposed to be uh, home, but yet they were pulled on this emergency mission, which, look, if you're out there, suddenly you have to go to Neptune for a few months. I don't think anybody would be happy. So I, I understand that, too. It, to me, it can go both ways. And I, I totally get it. Yeah. Well, that's another thing they did in the demon orgy, go both ways. Uh, so. <laughs> I mean, my, my positives, negatives, and we already talked about, like, visually, really great positive, you know, visually, you know, the set design is awesome, you know, um, all that stuff. I mean, I don't know. It, it, I mean, a lot of my, I don't, I mean, some, negatives definitely, I would say some of the acting, of course, is over the top, you know, but like we talked about, like, this is late 90s movie. I'm not going to, like, bust its balls over some of the acting that much, um, you know, to kind of counter some of Greg's things a little bit more, like... I kind of just went into this movie and I didn't overthink anything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to think like, you know, oh, how did that work? Or why did they do this? Or why wouldn't an astronaut know that? I'm like, I don't fucking know it. I'm not a fucking astronaut. I don't know it. What the, the, the times where they were like, oh, explain it simpler, explain it simpler, explain it in English. I'm like, yeah, guys, explain it in English. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> you know, like, like, so all those scenes that, that you're talking about, Greg, like, I, they didn't bother me at all. You know, one, I'm just not smart enough to even understand what they're talking about to begin with. You know, and two, it's like I don't really make it doesn't none of it ever like got to me like that, you know? Um 
So like none of those are really that big of negatives to me. Like all the like we you can call them loopholes or whatever you want to call it, plot holes or how did this happen or why didn't they do this? But I just went in watching the movie for what it was, especially in a 1997 movie where they like they didn't give a shit about how things actually worked. You know, they're just trying to make a movie. So I don't really I don't really have like that many negatives. I mean, this movie is built on the visuals. This movie's built on visuals. You know, and and for that, like it succeeds. Like we talk about a lot of like yeah. you know no, a movie knowing what it is and knowing what it wants to do. And this movie definitely was like, okay, we want to make a fucked up Shining, but in space. Okay, check, you did it. You know, and we want to show gory, like fucked up shit. Check, you did it. You know, and the acting is you know good enough to like be fine. You know, like I said, Sam Neill once he le- leans into like insanity, I thought it was fucking epic. Yeah. I thought Lawrence Fishburne is perfect as like the straight man, you know, just being like the straight guy that like doesn't bend, mm-hmm. you know, was perfect. And I thought everybody else is just like secondary characters that give their own little personalities. I didn't really feel like at all anybody, even like the one-liners didn't even bother me that much. You know, the scenes you're talking about Greg where the guy's like, "Oh, watch out baby bear." Like I just to me that seemed natural and real like it didn't you know what i mean like i didn't so that's where it's like it's hard for me to hear you kind of say those things you know not like it hurts me in my core or anything like that you know but like you know it's just like odd because i'm like when i watched it like none of those scenes bother me i never cringed once at like any line in this movie i never thought any of them were like that over the top especially for like late 90s i thought it was fine so i don't really have that many negatives i mean overall story wise like like yeah it could have been like you know a little bit you know maybe longer or shorter maybe i did want more of a backstory or not but i thought overall is a pretty solid like you you know what you're want you know what you're getting into and and it kind of delivered pretty well for what you want Mm -hmm. um okay so let's let's get to the end now laura's been waiting to talk about the end so she can talk about her big gripe about (laughs) the fire guy or something uh, so Laura, what do you you want to do? You want to set up the end, Laura, and kind of talk about it? Go for it. Uh, the entire ship is pretty much dead. Uh, the only people we've got left are obviously uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, but he's basically Satan himself in space. Um, <laughs> Stark obviously survives. She's off, passed out somewhere, and then there was someone else. Who was the other person that Uber. is still a Oh, Cooper, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think Cooper's gone, but he comes back, and that's kind of funny. You know, I, I kind of disagree with what you've been saying, Greg. Like, I think that Cooper was meant there to be, it, he was there meant to be, like, the comic relief, and I totally mm-hmm. bought into it he because was. it was such a dark movie, so I was happy to have some of that. Uh, so anyway, that's the only people remaining. <sighs> Sam Neill gets, what he gets, like, blown off the ship. He gets sucked out of the... Sucked like- out. Yeah, sucked out of it. And up mm-hmm. until this point, he's our big antagonist. Uh, but then now all of a sudden it's uh, Captain Miller's turn to have like some vision. And this is one of the backstories that did get cut from the original footage. And that becomes like the big ending. The big climax is this man who we don't know who the fuck he is. And he is now on the ship on fire chasing after Captain Miller. And as Greg put it in a text message, it became a diehard movie. And I'm like, who are you? I don't care. Why is this the big ending? Why is this like the final fight? Why all of a sudden am I watching Die Hard? This doesn't feel like it fits with the movie at all. Um, It was the weirdest ending. And then all of a sudden Sam Neill comes back. And now you're like, okay, who like, you know, that that was basically you know the majority of the ending and mm-hmm. i had such a huge problem with that why 
why did they do that? Why couldn't they have just made it a big fight with actually like Sam Neill's character? Why was it like such physical fighting like Die Hard? Why wasn't it more like freaking Satan's on the ship? You think they could have done something a little bit more creative? I don't know. I I was in pretty much this whole movie. And then at the end, I kind of just was like, oh, no, they lost me. I'm out. Can, can somebody explain to me why you guys keep referencing Die Hard? Like, what What about this ending is Die Hard? The fighting. Yeah, like the, the one-on-one fighting. They're, like, punching. You hear, like, Street Fighter punches. Like, yeah, like, boom, <laughs> boom. Yeah, it was so cheesy. I guess maybe oh. we should have rewatched Mortal Kombat before to get, like, a get into the, to the feel <laughs> of it. But that, mm-hmm. so I, I think it has a it kind of has a purpose, but it's like a little too little too late for me. Like so, the whole purpose is, which is what I think they they had an opportunity to again, it's my personal thing to create the scariest movie ever, right? Yes, with, with the idea of making the concept of hell a scientific uh, thing that we've breached with our technology, yep. right? And this idea that our guilt is the thing that haunts us the most at the end of our lives. Mm-hmm. And and the, the one thing that's more terrifying, we talked about this in episode one of our freaking podcast, the one thing that's more terrifying than death is probably a tormented life, right? So mm-hmm. you see three particular characters who are going through this thing where this, um, this hell uh, realm is haunting them with their greatest guilts, their greatest fears. With, with Dr. Weir, it's the fact that he, like you said, he overworked himself and it led to his wife feeling isolated and disconnected and she committed suicide. For um, Peters, it was leaving her, I guess, disabled or sick kid behind. And so she, she sees him and that's like her greatest fear and that's what she's being tormented with. And I think where it kind of plays in at the end of the movies with Captain Miller, his thing is, he was always riddled with the guilt of leaving behind his um, one of his crew members on a previous mission. He left him to die and burn, right? So that's haunted him his mm-hmm. entire life. So now that's like the Hell Realm's way of trying to haunt Captain Miller. But the thing with, with Lawrence Fishburne's characters, he, like you said, Laura, it's kind of cool that everybody tried to acknowledge that it was happening to them Mm -hmm. that they were and some were able most actually were not able to overcome it they kind of succumbed to the hallucinations and they died from it but captain miller actually you remember he had that scene where he had his head like on the wall and he's like this is not real this is not real he kind of like accepted the guilt and he kind of uh i think he was more able to process it and live Mm -hmm. with his decision and i think that was his uh, that was his it led to his ability to like fight the Fight, fight the demon at the end which was trying to haunt him with his memory and he was like no i'm gonna fight back against it but the problem is is like you said it it, it felt out of place because it seemed too little too late you know you you had to spread this movie out uh, amongst several different characters and you don't have much time to learn everybody's deepest fear you have like moments mm-hmm. and flashbacks and little vignettes and like their their memory that like it, it's meant to be effective but to me it wasn't so this is where at the end it felt out of place like i didn't really feel too much his his close tie to his old like war buddy that he left behind so it it seemed like a pivot going from what was probably the scariest thing which is uh dr weird trying to like now take the whole crew across the black hole into the hell hell. and then it's like suddenly a one-on-one battle that's where like the diehard thing kind of comes in which i don't know if that's it's it's kind of an exaggeration it's a silly exaggeration but yeah it kind of makes you feel that way at the end it's like whoa it seems kind of out of place 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that I wish the ending would have gone down where, you know, maybe this did still happen to Captain Miller and we did see that. But it was intertwined through like the middle of the movie when everyone else's visions were haunting them and killing them. You know, maybe the guy was like running after him down corridors on fire and he's kind of talking about, oh, I'm seeing images of this guy. And and like that happened then because it, it did just feel so out of place and it it made it. It made it a heavier part of the movie, but you're like, why? Why is there so much weight on Captain Miller and, and this guy? And we hardly know anything about him. And I completely agree. I think the fact that, you know, Dr. Weir is now bringing the ship to hell, that is horrifying. And that should have just been the focus of the ending was, okay, everyone's been haunted. Most people are dead. Whoever's remaining now has to fight him. He's the big baddie, not this like fire guy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, think, I, mean, I mean, I do. I mean, I do agree with you guys that I wish there was like a little bit more of a backstory with him. Like you talked about Laura, that's some of the stuff that was probably cut mm-hmm. from the extended version, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, all they really have is like one scene where he's talking to uh, Lucius Malfoy guy mm-hmm. and he, <laughs> he, he has a little story and telling, you know, the, the tale of, you know, him leaving his, 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 you know, guy behind and this and that. And, you know, what was he supposed to do? And so there is like a, there is like enough there to make you understand who this person is. But yeah, it would have been more, you, you would have felt it a little bit more if they actually had like some flashback of a scene. Yeah. Cause visually you don't know what this person looks like. So it's kind of weird to be like, who is that guy? Yeah. You know, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I I didn't feel like that bad at the end. Like I didn't, I didn't think like it went like off the rails or it changed anything. I mean, I I mean, I kind of get what you're saying, Laura, as far as, you know, like, like the whole movie should have been just about going to hell and not like everybody's personal, you know, demons they were facing. But all in all, like what you kind of reveal at the end when he's fighting the fire guy. And then at one point, I think, the fire guy just turns into Sam Neill. So really it's all the same being. It's all just the ship. You know what I mean? There's, there's not really like, they're not really seeing people. You know what I mean? It's all just like slightly in their head or whatever manifestations, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. you know? So as much as you're saying, you don't really want the last fight to be, you know, uh, Lawrence Fishburne versus the fire guy. It's, it really is in essence, you know, Lawrence Fishburne versus the entity. You know, it's just taking that form, you know, so. Yeah, I think maybe they, they spend too long on that form then. that That's my problem. Like, you know, they, they don't spend a whole lot of time on everything else. So mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me why that one felt like the heaviest and was saved for the very end. Which is, well, he's the captain. Oh. He's the captain, though. He's the captain. He's the yeah. last one. He sacrifices himself at the end so the other guys can survive. So it's just mm-hmm. like they got to put a little bit more story into him because he's. You know, he's the main guy. He's he's the main one in this one. And it means more when he has to sacrifice himself yeah. rather than just, you know, this, some rando that you really didn't know that got filleted earlier in the movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this, but this is how you fix it. And this is one of my bi- biggest gripes in this movie was that they just, they, they talk too much. They try to explain too much about what was going on rather than show it. I And like, I agree. I like that scene of, um, of Captain Miller talking to, um, uh, Smith about about the story. He said, "Oh, you know, I left him behind," and it was very sentimental. But you hear it coming from a confident character, but you don't really feel it. All if you would have shown me maybe a scene flashback to the actual scene where he left him behind, the airlock closes, his guy, his man catches on fire, and he has got tears in his eyes. 
I mean, that's like mm-hmm. tense, you know, 15 seconds. That's it's something. Yeah. And it makes me feel something. I don't need that connection to all the other characters because they're maybe minor, but at least for the captain, yeah. show, show me that. And then it, it kind of yeah. supports like this final scene. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that we wish like they did have this, you know, extended cut somewhere, yeah. you know, yeah. e- even, even if it meant you had to watch, you know, another three minutes of the goth orgy scene, <laughs> at least you, at least you would get the extended like Lawrence Fishburne, like his Wait, character. Wait, I, I can't say it. A, why is it a goth orgy? What makes, what, what? <laughs> it's because it's, it's demonic it's demonic you know mm-hmm. Goth people are demonic mm-hmm. aren't they I mean, not hand in hand no that's like a, it's okay, a misnomer right. if we i'm sorry yeah if we have any goth listeners i'm sorry if i you know uh shouted you out like that you know i asked maybe your guys orgies are probably not as crazy as that they're probably very tame that's true laura you know um <laughs> I don't want to lose any listeners. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, let's, uh, you know, to kind of set up more of the ending of this movie, you know, like I said, the, you know, uh, the, their whole plan, this is something Sam Neill's character talked about in the very beginning of this movie was, you know, there's explosives throughout this hole of the ship, which the ship itself was very weirdly constructed. It was like you have the very front, you know, uh, pilot's area and, you know, where you're going to, you know, drive the ship and then a very long corridor with nothing. And then the back of the ship is kind of like the engine part. And then the, the, whatever you call it, the, the death drive or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so it was just, it was very weirdly constructed, but you know, Sam Neill mentioned the beginning, uh, there's like detonators all over the place in this long hall. And you know, he's like, what are those for? And he's like, Oh, you know, those are there. If something ever goes wrong, the ship will, you know, blow up in the middle. And then the front part can kind of just be like its own life raft. So at the end of this movie, that's their plan. You know, Lawrence Fishburne and the other people alive are like, let's set the detonators. We can blow it off, you know, and then the fucking back end can go to hell, back to hell and have sex and do whatever he wants to do. And we can escape, you know. Um, So that's what's going on here. So he has a detonator. And I think I forget even why he's going to the back of the ship. I don't even remember why he's going to the back again. But uh, he ends up, you know, sacrificing himself, you know, blowing up the middle part of the ship and, you know, killing him and everything um, to let the other ones survive. So it gets detached from itself. Uh, the, the back end of the ship gets sucked back into the, you know, demon hole um, area. <laughs> 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 you know it disappears and then, and then all that's left you know it's another good like you know if i ever create a band in demon hole that's a good band name um but uh you know and then all that's left is you got uh what are the names again you got stark stark yeah. is the one that lives you got the one-liner guy cooper Cooper, and then I fucking forgot Justin fucking lives at the end. What? Oh, I think you're right. There were baby three bear. of them. Yeah, baby bear. They, they remember when he? Well, he, he, they he's put him in alive. Stasis. I don't know if yeah. he's in great shape, but he's well, alive. Well, still, I yeah. completely forgot about him at That's the last true. third of this movie, oh, wow. and then at the very end, they reveal he's there. I was like, holy shit, I forgot about that kid. Did he make it yeah. all the way to the end? And <laughs> yeah, you know. And so what happens at the very end of this movie is they have a thing saying it's been seventy-two days or something like that, 
and then another rescue ship finds the the you know the 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 whatever it's called life raft pod or whatever you want to call it and so they come in and they're you know taking them out of quarantine take them out of the stasis and you know what's her name uh stark has like a flash of you know being like oh it's sam neil's character he's back you know blah blah blah. but i, I guess it was just like a paranoia you know and then it seems like it's okay i don't know that's what i want to talk to you guys about like the all you see is like her freak out and then you know it's she's kind of like flashbacked into it and then the the doors like shut on the pod and then it cuts the black like did you guys take it as they're rescued and like we're all good now or like you know they're not they didn't get away or something like that you know what i mean i took it as they were rescued she's paranoid they want it to they want people to be like ooh, uh-oh is there still something evil there and i just thought it was a super cheap shot at the end interesting Mm-hmm. What about you, Gary? What was your like take at the end? I, I so okay. In, in reality, I thought that you're led to believe that everybody is safe, but yet she's the only one that continues to perceive the hallucinations. I think that's what they're trying to tell you. What they what they actually intended, I have no idea. But I guess I have to say I'm more along the lines of Laura's. Like I just felt like I was being trolled a little bit. So mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of really? lost a little bit of interest because I thought yes. they were just trying to troll me. But yeah, what what uh, about you? Crazy, crazy. No, fucking, I feel like I fucking love this movie. I don't know why I keep defending it so much. Yeah, but you love I, it. I know what the hell's going on here, you know? I fucking love orgies, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Like, I, I took the ending as like, no, they like, not they didn't get away, but like, it's still like there. The presence is still there, you know? Like, it, it wasn't, you know, the the entity engulfed like the ship itself and the and is even though they blew up that part of the ship it's still on that part of the ship why was nobody else affected why was it just her i don't think it was like nobody else was affected i just think in that moment in those like 10 seconds of a scene like there was not time there was not going to do any more time i I thought it maybe was like leading to like a sequel or something like that but i mean my only other i thought was like fucking justin the guy who like went into the black hole there's there's no way that that kid wakes up and he's like i'm fine guys no i mean he's definitely like possessed or something like that or whatever you want to call it so i think either way like the shutting of the doors it means like these fools are dead you know whether it's gonna start all over again i don't know but that was the way i took it i didn't take it as like we're all good and clear now we're we're about to get fucked up i didn't even (laughs) realize justin made it but now that i you guys say that he he did live and he got into the station chamber your explanation totally makes sense. Like, he brought it back with them. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, though, that, like, this is set in the future. This ship has has all these, like, cool things. You don't think doors just shut behind them? Because they do now. In 2020, they've been shutting automatically for decades. Like, why, why are doors shutting? Like, oh, that's the scary <laughs> ending. This is the ending of the movie. It's like they're automatic doors. I don't understand why... Yeah, maybe I guess, it's just a timer. I guess I was an idiot who just assumed they were automatic doors. I don't it know. seemed automatic to me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is everyone like, know. oh, the doors? I don't know. I don't know. We might have to have people email in and see what they thought about this ending. See if they if they're on Greg and Laura's side where they think that, you know, we're all in the clear now, you know, the sun's about to come up and we're all happy. Or Oh, I know, do not but- think I do I definitely don't <laughs> think no. At, at least for sure, Stark is screwed. She looks like she was affected the most in that moment. Like, yeah, she looks like she's having a heart attack. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I, I was not... led to believe that she may yeah. live the rest of her life tormented by at least the apparition of Doctor Weir. But 
you know, but who knows? Yeah. Well, we might be getting answers because I actually looked up something online and I guess right now they announced last year that Amazon and Paramount Television, that they're working on an Event Horizon TV series. Whoa. And it's going to be helmed by Adam Wingard. So he's he's a really oh. good showrunner. So they're going to be putting money into it and stuff like that. So I don't know where it's, there's no more information than that. So you don't know when it's going to be taking place, but you know, maybe it might be somewhat of a sequel, you know, I don't know, maybe you'll find find out what happened at the end when they shut those doors see if they were on a timer you know man that might be how the thing starts being like hey you know the timer ran out or something i don't know i have no idea <laughs> um so let's get to let's get to our ratings then of this movie um so let's do one to five rating let's do how many eyes how many eyes are you giving Ooh. this movie you know i could have done something way worse laura i was trying to be pc so let's see where greg lines up on this i gotta say like you know me i'm the one who they, they call this a cult classic movie i feel like i've been more aligned with cult classic movies ones that mm-hmm. kind of um simmer better over time mm-hmm. um and i really really wanted to like this movie but i i i really didn't because a lot of the uh, the way that it was kind of executed I, I think it comes down to the concepts of the movie it was very terrifying if you think about it but a lot of that um that horrifying content was just tempered by some of the stuff that just didn't sit well with me so i'm gonna i'm i'm not gonna down a few so i'm gonna do what what's our rating unit how many eyes how many eyes how many eyeballs yeah so you're gonna i'm gonna give it two two eyes two eyes out of five Okay, that's that's pretty reasonable. Maybe maybe in the year twenty forty seven, after you've been watching this for a bit, you'll you'll come to like it a bit more. You know, you yeah. just got to give it some more time. Yeah. Uh, what what about you, Laura? How many how many eyes are you giving this movie? Oh, this is so hard. I think I'm gonna be super annoying <laughs> and give it like a <laughs> a half an eye. Oh, just a just an eyelash or a, just just the pupil or something like that. The iris. Here's the problem. This, the whole beginning, we're just talking about all the amazing parts of this movie. And then the last conversation we just had was talking about the ending, which clearly I didn't like. Mm-hmm. So I keep flopping between a two and a half and a three. Mm. I think yesterday I was leaning more towards two and a half. And then when we kind of got on today, I was like, you know what? There's too much good in this movie. I should give it a three. Talking about the ending again, I'm like, damn. You know what, though? I don't regret seeing it. I, I you know what? I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it three eyes. Nice, nice. I'm, I'm glad you went to three. You know, I was going to have to try to argue with you and get you back to go back up there. But I, good job. I'm clearly, like, conflicted about it. But um, the good is is very good. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you have, like, two open eyes and the third eye is, like, a closed eye. Yeah. Like, it's, it's borderline. It's a borderline the third three eyes. eye's been, like, taken out. And oh. Just, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. I like it. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, nice, nice, Laura. Good job. Yeah, um, I, I think, like we said, I mean, you can clearly tell from this pod, like, I love this movie, apparently. Yeah. We keep arguing and yelling at Greg for things. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I think, you know, yeah, like, I, I enjoyed this movie. I, I took it for what it was. I didn't, like, try to overthink a lot of this movie. I kind of just watched it, you know, going through it, like, knowing what I was going to see visually. And so, you know, as much as I wouldn't say I enjoyed the the gruesomeness in this movie, it, it doesn't really have the full effect as I feel like it should to somebody seeing this for the first time. Um, so I, I think for me, rating wise, I'm probably going to be right there with Laura. I'm going to say three, two. I can't go more than three. It's not like a great movie. To me, four and fives are like great movies. Five is like, you know, stellar. You know what I mean? But like a four is like a really good movie. So I, I, and I don't think it's like a really good movie. 
but I think it's 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 entertaining. It, it knows what it wants to be, and I think it executes very well, you know, for the things it wants to get across. I do agree with you that the ending isn't like super great. It doesn't like stick the landing solid, but it but it's a good ending for what I would expect from a '90s movie. Um, you know what I mean? Sure, like, yeah. you know, it is, it is what it is. It's not like great, but whatever. Um, so I'm not going to take away points or give it points either way. It's just kind of standard. Yeah. But I'll say three, you know, and it's so interesting that, you know, I feel like we're usually in the opposite things where like me and Laura, like don't like cult classics, you know, and Greg loves them. And now we're opposite. So it's really interesting that this one just didn't land. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's a definitely a really interesting, like, uh, experiment going through this movie with you guys super cool. yeah for sure yeah yeah all right uh yeah so that's it for this week's episode next week we begin our official you know month-long halloween marathon we're gonna do which is super cool Yay. um we're we're calling it conjecture ween which i know laura was not on board with but uh, i think me and greg like uh laughed too much to not make it a real thing. So we'll be watching the all the five movies, the Halloween movies. Uh, Laura's pretty much picking them all for us, uh, which is going to be super cool. Uh, so Laura, do you want to reveal the first one we're going to watch next week? Yes, we are going with the OG, the very first Halloween, 1978. One of my favorites. Nice. I mean, I'm excited to watch this. I think we've been talking, you know, about this for a couple of weeks now. And surprisingly, I'm starting to figure out more of like, I don't think I've seen like any of these movies. I, That's hilarious. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen the original, but I'm not 100% sure. It might be one of those things where just like it's it's something I've heard about forever, the original Halloween movie, and I've seen snippets and online. And so like maybe I think I've seen it, but I don't know, to be honest with you. It, if I have, it's been a long time. So I'm super excited for this whole month because I'm going to possibly watch all these movies I've never seen before that people are probably going to be angry I haven't seen, but you know, I can't do anything about that now. So what about you, Greg? Have you seen mostly all these Halloween movies or you're like me? Yeah, yeah. Full disclosure, I'm, I'm in your boat, Rob. I've seen Halloween H2O and that's oh. it. <laughs> I haven't even seen the OG. It's one of those movies to me where like it's on on someone's TV at a friend's house and you catch snippets, but I never went out of my way to watch it back mm-hmm. back in the day. So I am super pumped for this too. Yeah. So this would be super fun, super exciting. It's the first time we're doing oh, yeah. anything like this. Where we're watching linear movies kind of from beginning to end and, you know, which is going to be super cool to do. Cause I know like when there's certain movies we watch, like when we watched the original Scream that I wanted to just kind of keep going and watch two and three and four. But, you know, we had to like jump into other movies. We had different picks, stuff like that. So this isn't the first time we're actually watching, you know, congruent movies in a row, uh, which is going to be really cool. So, yeah. So, yeah, if you like any of the Halloween movies, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do um, get ready for a full month of them <laughs> and us like breaking them down and probably sounding stupid. I know I'm going to sound stupid through a lot of them because I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm really going to be leaning on Laura a lot to help me understand a lot of this stuff. Hopefully it won't be like no this movie problem. where, you know, NASA should have been involved or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, if anybody wants to email us in, you know, we can kind of like get back into getting recommendations for movies maybe after October. You can hit us up conjecturingpod at Gmail or Twitter or Instagram at conjecturingpod. Um, also remember, subscribe, rate, review, uh, wherever you're getting, you know, listening to us on your podcast platform. And, you know, now that we're on a network now, you know, go, please go check out, you know, the network site, uh, slash and cast, the uh, podcast network. You can check them out, slash and cast.net. See all the other shows they have available here, uh, available there. Like I said, go check out that monster erotica one. That sounds super cool. 
you know, <laughs> let us know how that goes. Um, yeah, so this has been the Conjecturing. I've been Rob. And Laura. And Greg. Yeah, until next time, remember, horror subjectives are conjecture away. See ya. Bye. See you guys. Do I not know what an orgy is?